بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين الحمد لله we are able to resume our webinar and between the sessions that we had on Tafsir of Surah Luqman and this series there was a gap and uh, in this period I met uh, many people and they were encouraging to continue and we were actually thinking of continuing but uh, it took us longer than expected so now we are happy that Alhamdulillah we are able to start again and as you know for this series we have chosen Munajat Khamsat Ashar by Imam Sajjad alayhi salam Munajat means whisper when someone is very close to you you don't need to shout or even to call you can just whisper because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very close to us we can whisper to him there is a beautiful hadith that Musa alayhi salam asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala my Lord are you far so that I call you or are you near so that I whisper you are you far so that I call you or are you near so that I whisper to you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said I am next to the person who remembers me so as soon as we remember Allah Allah is with us even you don't need to whisper just you think of him and he is with you but it's good to use words and to speak to God not just to think of what you want to say to him although he knows what is in our heart and mind but it's better to speak to God because this brings more attention and concentration for us this would engage more dimensions of our brain and soul and this is more formal and more serious to speak to God therefore it's better that we do invocations of God or pray to God by using words and this is why in prayer also we should say and at least even for Zuhr and as when you recite your Hamd and Surah not in a loud voice but still you should yourself be able to hear yourself it's a kind of monajat. So we whisper to God because He's very close to us. There is a beautiful hadith about the people who get very close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I have quoted that hadith in self knowledge that Allah says, When they become very close to me and I love them, I whisper to them. Even Allah whispers to His chosen people, the people who are pious. So it's not one way, it can be mutual. You whisper to God, and God also may whisper to you and inspire you. He would send His messages to you. Not by hearing a sound necessarily it's not that for example an angel speaks to you or you hear a sound created in the air 
No, God communicates to you in his own ways. So this is the concept of munajat, something very personal, very intimate, and also private. Uh, because when you whisper to someone, then other people cannot understand what you say. Maybe they see you whispering, but they don't understand. And therefore, for example, if we are a group of people, it's not good if one of us whispers to the other, because the rest would think maybe we are talking against them, maybe you know, we are making mockery of them. So, because they cannot understand, if they were able to understand, then that problem was not there. So, something about whispering to God is that you want to be private, you want to keep it confidential. Of course, this can be expanded and this can be used even when you do, for example, monajab to God as a group of people. Like, for example, if we together read this monajat uh, of Imam Zainul Abedin together, so we are whispering to God together, but basically, originally, this is not the concept of whisper. Whispering to God means to speak to Him when you are alone, and your tone is the, in the way that no one other than you and God would understand what you say. Okay, there are many, many things that we can use when we want to speak to God. Even we can make our own monajat, uh, our own statements when we want to speak to God. But for sure, Nothing would be equal to what the Ma'asumin, the infallibles, have taught us. Because they are the people who have greatest experience and greatest knowledge, and they are taught by God Himself. So, although I can use my own words, I can speak in any language that I like, to God, apart from Salat, which is a formal, the ritual Salat, prayer, which is formal kind of Ibadah, and Muslims universally should do it in one language. But other than that, you can speak to God in any language, you can use any word, but it's better if we learn the way that the Prophet and Ahlul Bayt, alayhimussalam, used to whisper to God or pray to God. Especially among the members of Ahlul Bayt Imam Zainul Abidin was given this particular task by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He lived in a time in which the best thing to educate people, to help people in their moral and spiritual exercise was to spread and strengthen the culture of prayer, supplication and whisper. You know, after the tragedy of Kabbalah, the Muslim society was shocked. It was very, very difficult experience, not only for Ahlul Bayt and their followers, but everyone else was shocked what was happened. And there was a kind of air and atmosphere of fear and terror, which was strengthened by attack to Medina and Mecca. As you know, Yazid ruled for three years. In one year he killed Imam Hussein and his companions. In the second, he attacked Medina and then Mecca, if I'm not mistaken. 
So in each year, he did a terrible thing. So people were very much shocked. No one was able to speak. So Imam used this opportunity for enriching the culture of prayer to God. When you speak to God, you don't need anyone to be with you. You don't need to have <clears throat> organized groups or camps or parties. Anyone interested is welcome. They can use these prayers and supplications when they are alone or together and it would not be taken as a threat by the rulers. No one would be against praying to God, but in the content of those prayers and supplications, Imam salam put everything that people needed to know. Their personal needs and also the needs of the community, the social needs. So if you read du'as of Imam Zainul Abidin, you find every need of society is also addressed. It's not just something for a person when he wants to remember God. It's also for a society which wants to return to God. So this was the way that historically Imam alayhi salam was able to exercise his leadership. Of course, Imam was uh, involved in other activities, but this was one of the main things that Imam Zainul Abidin did. And you have to remember that one of the things that the Caliphs were encouraging, or at least not stopping, was a culture of mischief and corruption, a culture of haram, prohibited music and dancing. It has been said in some sources that even Medina, which is a holy city, the place where the Prophet and many great personalities are buried, even inside Medina the singers had very high position. They used to sing haram, even women used to sing in not houses, no, in meetings, in gatherings. It is said that once one of the caliphs purchased a maid who was a singer and he paid 20,000 dinar, 20,000 golden coin. So, some people of Medina who heard the news that this singer is purchased by the Caliph, so is moving to the capital, they went for her farewell and they were crying. Look at this. Not long after the demise of the Prophet, not long after the tragedy of Karbala, there are people who cry over losing a singer who is singing haram music. So this is the culture. But in this culture, Imam Zainul Abidin invites people so beautifully to remember God that this becomes part of their daily life. Imam has prayers for different parts of the year or for different months or even you can use them on a daily basis. We know of Sahifa Sajjadiyya. Sahifa means a book, a combination of pages. Sahifa doesn't mean Quran. Sahifa means a book. It can be used for Quran, it can be used for other books. And Sahifi Sajjadiyya is the book which is a combination or a collection of the prayers of Imam. Some 50 prayers of Imam are collected in Sahifi Sajjadiyya. But 
This doesn't include all the prayers and supplications of Imam. For example, Du'a'i Abu Hamza Somali that should be recited in Sahar, in you know, early hours of the day in month of Ramadan. This is a dua by Imam Zainul Abidin but not in Sahih Sajjadiyah. Or these 15 whispers, Munajar Khamsat Asha, are not part of Sahih Sajjadiyah, but they belong to Imam Zainul Abidin The late Allamiyya Majlisi in his book Biharul Anwar has mentioned these 15 Munajat and the late Sheikh Abbas Qummi in his Mafatihul Janan has mentioned these 15 Munajat but they are not part of Sahih Sajjaliyya actually some writers have said that the collections of du'as of Imam Zainul Abidin to become um, comprehensive will become several times more than Sahifi Sajjadiyya. It's just a collection like Nahjul Balagh. Nahjul Balagh is a selection made by Sayyida Razi Rahmatullah. It doesn't include all the sayings of Imam uh, Amirul Mu'mineen. So Sahifi also doesn't include all the prayers and supplications of Imam Zainul Abidin. It's some 50 du'as. In some editions of Sahifa, they have also put Munajat Khamsat Ashar as appendix. So it's not part of Sahifa Sajjadiyya, but it is printed with that so that people would easily find it. And there are some attempts to also print and publish other du'as of Imam. So some people have, you know, produce Sahifi Sajjadiyya, Saniyya and Salat like second volume, third volume of Sahifi Sajjadiyya. But the famous historical Sahifi Sajjadiyya which goes back to the time of uh, the sons of Imam Zainul Abidin salam, is those some 50 du'as that uh, don't include Munajat Khamsat Asha. Okay. In these Munajat Khamsat Ashar, what we have is a series of whispers that people can use, of course, anytime they like, but somehow people may prefer to use them according to their own feelings and their own mood and their own conditions. You know, there is Munajat of Ta'ibin, those who want to repent, or they are actually in the state of repentance. Munajat of Shakin, those who complain, not about people, they complain about what they have themselves done. Munajat of Kha'ifin, those who have fear, plausible fear. Munajatul Rajin, those who have hope, those Munajatul Raghavin, those who yearn, Munajatul Shakirin, those who are grateful, Muti'in, those who are obedient, Muridin, those who will, Muhabbin, those who love, Mutawassalin, those who appeal, and so on and so forth. For example, beautiful Munajatul Arifin, the lovers of Allah and mystics. So these 15 munajat are in a sense like stations that people go through. People can read them anytime, but perhaps when you are in a state of khawf or hope, you know, fear or hope, you may choose the one which you think is more relevant to your condition. Each munajat has important concepts and if you want to really comment on them it will become a you know, huge book so what we are going to do is just to familiarize ourselves more with these monajats I'm sure many of you are already familiar but it's an opportunity to engage in these you know sessions uh, in these munajat and inshallah together reflect on them, think about them and hopefully 
between two sessions uh, you know you would also discuss with your friends with your family members maybe you can share also with us your own points and ideas you can always email and inshallah maybe we can uh, share them with other people if you are happy with that so my hope is that inshallah this would not be just me talking to you but rather also listening to you and benefiting from your own ideas so now let us start with the first few lines of Munajat al-Ta'ibin which is the first Munajat and the reason for being first Munajat is because Tawbah is the first thing that everyone who embarks on a spiritual journey must be concerned with some ulama have said this is the first station the first manzil you know we have this expression of manazil which is the plural form of manzil for stations of the spiritual journey they use manzil because manzil is the place that you come down when you are traveling you are riding a horse for example or a camel you travel for a day or for a few hours and then you reach a station that you can stop you bring all the luggage down all the goods down you come down yourself uh, you let your animal your horse or camel have some rest and you yourself also maybe set up a tent or maybe there is a room you use so that you refresh you relax you have some rest then perhaps the next day or maybe after a few hours you continue your journey these places were called manazel so each place is manzel means the place of nuzul coming down from your camel or horse and the like so in a spiritual journey we constantly should try to get closer and closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but we would not be always in the same place or in the same for example stage there are different stages, different phases, or different stations. If you are in the station of Tawbah, you must be more aware of the requirements of Tawbah, more aware of the feelings of those whose Tawbah is accepted, for example. What can stop your Tawbah being accepted, for example, so that you make sure that you achieve everything that you need to achieve in this station, and then go on to the next station. So in books like Manazil al-Sa'irin, the stations of the wayfarers, Khaj Abdullah Ansari has mentioned these Manazil. Or in Awsaf al-Ashraf by Khaj Nasir al-Din he mentions these Manazil. The numbering may be different. Some scholars may mention 50 stations, some may mention 100, some may mention more or less. But no one this agrees that there are several stations ahead of us and normally they mention Tawbah as the first or something very early something at the beginning some people for example say that before Tawbah is awakeness we have to first become awake then we repent if we are not awake then we would be in the state of negligence we will be heedless and we don't think about our sins therefore we don't regret and we don't do Tawbah so first we have to become awake some people say awakeness is the, not the first station it is actually the departure point and the first station is when you have already departed and made some you know journey therefore they say the first station is Tawbah in any case there is no doubt that Tawbah is something that we have to begin with as soon as you decide 
to embark on the spiritual journey. As soon as you want to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to make sure that you would remove the darkness of the sins that you have committed. You have to remove unnecessary weight that we have put on ourselves, which would not let us move freely. And that is the burden caused by committing sins. So Tawbah is very important and very necessary and something to do it as soon as possible. Tawbah should not be delayed. Tawbah should not be postponed. Any time you can do Tawbah, you should do it. Of course, there may be times or occasions in which Tawbah would be more easily accepted. Like the night of Friday. Or like, for example, when you have said your obligatory prayer. Or, for example, in the months of Ramadan. Or when rain is coming. But you shouldn't postpone your Tawbah for those occasions. You can always do your Tawbah immediately. But also when those occasions you know, approach you, repeat and renew your Tawbah. You shouldn't think that we should do a step five. We should ask forgiveness for a particular sin only once. Who knows? Maybe when I was asking for forgiveness, I was not in a good mood. Maybe my Tawbah was not accepted because I was not remorseful enough. Or maybe there were some obstacles. Therefore, we have to repeat our Tawbah even for the same sin, maybe we, you know, ask forgiveness till end of our life, so that we are sure that, inshallah, our tawbah is accepted. We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always welcomes those who sincerely repent, but our question is whether I was sincere enough, whether I was did my best, not only to say, Astaghfirullah, or Allah ask me, Sorry, oh Allah, I ask you to forgive me. Not just by saying this, but by really feeling that I have damaged myself. I have caused lots of harm to myself and perhaps to others. And the only way to restore this damage is to stop committing sin and to compensate for that. Anything that I can do to restore the damage any duties which are remaining on my shoulder, I have to look after. And inshallah, if Allah sees this sincerity in me, Allah will forgive me. So, I don't want to raise or, for example, to create doubt in ourselves about acceptance of Tawbah as far as Allah's mercy is concerned. We don't have any problem with that. We know that even if someone like Fir'aun even if someone like Yazid, if he sincerely repents, Allah would forgive him. Like, for example, you know, Imam Zainul Abidin is quoted as teaching the namaz of Qufayle, the prayer of Qufayle uh, to, uh, to Yazid. And some people said, Oh, Imam, why you teach him something for forgiveness? And Imam said he would not have tawfiq, he would not have the you know, ability to benefit from this. But even if Yazid sincerely had regretted and repented, then Allah would have forgiven him. There are hadiths that even if you have killed tens of the prophets, you must not say Allah is not going to forgive me. Aliyas and Rawhullah, to feel despaired, to say that Allah is not going to forgive me, is said to be worse than killing tens of prophets. Because you are restricting Allah's mercy, and by doing so, you become a prey, a victim in the hands of shaitan, a person who has no hope, Shaitan would force him to do more and more, or at least not to do anything to return to God. So, 
definitely if we sincerely go back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he would welcome and inshallah we will explain this more but am I really sincere this is the problem therefore we should not think that it's easy to be forgiven not because Allah is not most forgiving not because Allah does not easily forgive because I am not sure whether I am really asking for forgiveness you know sometimes you have this experience maybe your children or people who work for example for you sometimes you know they ask for forgiveness but this is just something verbal you feel they are not really sorry they just say you know sorry but this is not really what they feel and this is really hurting you that a person who has damaged something or who has broken your heart he says sorry but not really feeling anything therefore repeat this, this you know the same thing again and again so we have to be very much careful about our own uh, forgiveness uh, uh, sorry asking for forgiveness and our own repentance okay let us read few lines and I will not take you that long I hope to be able to have some also question and answer so I'm just reading few lines if you don't mind Allahumma salli ala muhammadin wa ala muhammad Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Ilahi al-basatnil khataya thawba madallati O Allah the mistakes khataya is the plural form for khati'ah means the mistakes that we do mistakes can be sins and sometimes maybe they are not necessarily sins in the technical sense maybe it's error maybe it's something that you have forgotten but it can be sometimes very destructive if for example a person is in need of my help maybe for example you know there was an accident and the people who were in those cars are in need of my help and for some reason it doesn't occur to me that I should stop and help them later I say oh I should have stopped and helped them okay maybe this is not legally a sin I mean from a jurisprudential point of view because you never you know thought about it it didn't come to your mind you were not doing something intentionally but still this can have great spiritual impact in any case khataya which means mistakes or it can mean sins in a you know narrower sense are something that would damage our honor this is a very important point oh Allah my mistakes or my sins have clothed me in the garment of my lowliness madalla means I am humiliated by my own mistakes and sins you know when we do sins when we commit you know sins we lose our honor before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before angels before the prophet and imam before the pious people even for myself when I think of my sins you know even my own self-esteem would be damaged my honor for myself would be damaged we don't want to be proud of ourselves but we should have respect for ourselves it's very important you know in Islam we have this concept of honor and dignity and it is said that the best thing that stops people from doing sins and ugly actions is when they have respect for themselves they have this feeling of honor you know a person who is honorable a person who is noble would not do many bad things just because would not feel that this is appropriate for him 
you know, sometimes the people who come from very noble background, they automatically don't do many things which are bad because they have respect for themselves. They have honor for themselves. They don't use bad words. They feel this is very, you know, backward, very, uh, very awkward, very damaging, very humiliating for them to use bad words. Or they don't go, for example, outside with bad dress. Even nowadays, for example, you know, in some societies in which, you know, mother's dress may not be that important, still the people who come from uh, very, you know, noble background, or for example, they come from, uh, I don't know, a royal background, they are much more careful than the people who may not feel, you know, that much nobility in their background or in their own family. So, when we commit sins, that honor would be damaged. And thawba madallati means the clothes, the dress of lowliness would be put on, which should be soon changed. As soon as we can, we should change this dress of lowliness. And separation from you has wrapped me in the clothing of my misery. When we are far from God, of course, we have to remember, God never is far from us. God is not far from any person, even those who are not good servants of God, those who are not obedient to God, those who fight actually against God, God is not far from them. It is us human beings who are either close to Him or far. Otherwise, God is close to everyone and He cares about every human being and is aware of every human being and is ready to welcome everyone who wants to go back to Him. So, He is not far, but we can be far and therefore we have to get close to Him by making efforts. When we are far, when there is tabaud, means we are far from God, this would cause to be wrapped in the clothing of misery. When misery is so close to you that you feel it, it's like a dress for you, you know? When you have a dress, it touches you. You feel it by your, you know, skin. So, the person who is doing Tawbah is saying to Allah, Oh Allah, I am being surrounded, actually I am covered by lowliness and misery. And something very powerful. وَأَمَاتَ قَلْبِ and my great crime, this is a crime. A crime is not just to kill someone innocent. A crime is not just, for example, to attack someone or loot someone's house and property. Any sin is a crime. You are damaging yourself. You are damaging your relation with your Lord. You are disobeying the Creator of the heaven and the earth. So it's a crime. And this crime first would make your soul ill. But if we keep committing these sins, then we would kill our heart. Our heart would no longer be sensitive, would no longer be understanding, would no longer be passionate, would no longer be a human heart. It would become like a stone. It would become very hard. So, So what is the solution? How can I get rid of those dress of lowliness and misery? And how can I gain back the life of my heart? The only solution is Tawbah, and that is to return to God.
فأحيه بتوبة منك يا أملي وبغيتي Oh Allah, please revive my heart by repentance. But betawbatan mink. Inshallah, we will explain later, you know, in the next session, that whenever we ask Allah to forgive us, indeed, it is first Allah who comes to us and returns to us so that we can go back to Him. Every tawbah of us. Is surrounded by two tawbah of God, and inshallah we will explain that. So, O oh Allah, please revive my heart by repentance from you. So you please come to me so that I can come back to you. You please send your grace and mercy and guidance to me so that I get ready and I wake up and come back to you. Ya amali wa bughiyati. And this is where the Imam is showing his love for God. My concern is not about being punished because of my sins. Of course, that's a great concern. But my main concern is that by committing sins, I have made myself far from God. I have deprived myself from being in company of God. And who is God? Ya amali wa bughiyati You are my hope You are my aim Wa ya su'li wa muniyati You are my wish You are my want I don't have any request in my life other than being with you I don't want anything in my life other than this If there are other things that I want they all come under this Otherwise if I don't have you What? I have. As Imam Hussein salam says in Dua Arafah, Oh Allah, the one who doesn't have you, what he has. And the one who has you, what he lacks. So, by committing sins, I feel that something which is the pillar of my life, something that I have yearned for it by all my heart and mind and all cells of my body is kept away from me and that is my Lord so I want to return to God so that I can restore this friendship with God okay I stop here and inshallah we continue in the next week so now we have uh, some time to address questions inshallah and let me see if any questions have come it seems that uh, I have not received yet any question, so if you have any question, please send me, or if the questions are already submitted, so if uh, Brother Hussein can kindly notify me of the questions. So, inshallah, uh, if your questions come, you know, we can address them. Otherwise, I think this is enough for today, and please uh, share with us your comments. I'm really, really, you know, interested in your comments, in your ideas. Please share the things that you find useful with other people. Inform them about these sessions. And also, inshallah, uh, discuss among yourselves about these points. Because these are not something that we just speak about them or hear about them once. These are the things that we have to always remember. And those things that really touch you, you should make note of them as well. Okay, there are some questions. The first question is, how do I find the first whisper prayer in Sahifah Sajjadiyya? The book has 54 supplications. What number is the whisper prayer? Yeah. As I said, these 15 whispered prayers are not actually part of Sahifah Sajjadiyya. In some of them, uh, editions they have uh, put them as appendix 
normally maybe at the end or the beginning not in the middle so if you have Saifesa check you know the table of contents or check the beginning or end <coughs> also in Mafatihul Janan uh, by Sheikh Abbas Qumi it's there and also you find it in internet if you uh, google it you find it in many websites like duas.org and so on and so forth if you have problem inshallah we can uh, provide you with a, a file so that you get it actually it's good if we put a file inshallah <coughs> for everyone to download uh, the second question uh, please I am a new Shia I join Shia because they show the path to Allah but I want to know the doctrine of prostrating on stone uh, okay uh, although this is not related to our discussion but it's a question and I have to address this question basically the concept is not very difficult to understand if we approach it from the right angle in Islam we do sajda only for God of course in previous nations they used to do sajda not only for God but also for others but not, not as a kind of worship as a kind of respect for example the Quran says that uh, prophets use of family is you know brothers and you know father and mother they did sajda for him but this or Ashams wal Qamar Raitum li Sajidin and ni Raitu Ahada Ashara Kokaban Vashams wal Qamar Raitum Sajidin. So they did Sajda, but not to worship Yusuf, to show respect, to be humble. Or even Allah asked angels to do Sajda before Adam, not to worship Adam as a sign of respect. But in Islam, we do Sajda only for God. But on what thing you do sajda it's another issue we don't do sajda on a stone because we are worshipping a stone if that is the case then those who do sajda on carpet they worship carpet no one says those who do sajda on carpet worships carpet because we know what is the intention unfortunately some people accuse the shia that they do uh, Abada of stone or torba. No, this is something on which you put your forehead, but you are doing sajda for God, not for this. It's on stone, but for God. We only worship God. And I am saying that even if someone doesn't want to bother himself by studying lots of hadith that you find in Shia and Sunni sources, even in Sunni sources, you find many hadith. At least it's very reasonable and very you know, cautious to do what the Shia do because we say we use something which has earthly material and it's not used for dressing or for eating. Anything which is a natural material from the earth, from the surface of the earth, like a stone, like a sand, like a soil or something which is grown but not used for dress or for eating like wood like leaves you can use for sajda and everyone accepts this but some people say in addition to that you can put sajda on your dress or on carpet or you know things like that so if you want to be cautious just be uh, limited to what the shia say because that is the most a certain thing and that is something that if you want to be on the safe side you can do it how do the Shia perform evolution for Salat okay um, this is something that you can easily find if you have problem then you can let us know uh, so that we can send you link so that you find the details but basically you have to make the intention of Wazoo and then you start you can wash your hand first but the wajib the obligatory part is start with washing your face and then your right hand and left hand and then wiping on your head and on top of your feet 
but the details you can inshallah find easily if you have any problem please let us know question three how can one know if one's tawbah has been accepted this is a very good question and i hope inshallah we can explain this but one sign of this that i can mention now is if you don't do the same sin again if someone has committed a sin and he is against committing that sin he must be very worried but if he has stopped completely to do that sin again inshallah there is a great chance that his tawbah is accepted question four how does one nurture taqwa within themselves in order to bring themselves closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yes uh, very good question the main thing is not to commit sin the most important thing that you need to nurture taqwa is to avoid germs and those germs are sins and then love excessive love for dunya for worldly pleasure which is not reasonable which is not needed and by keeping this state of alertness and being careful about not committing sin and not going after dunya being attached to dunya then your taqwa very soon grows and bears fruits inshallah uh, there is a comment also thank you for this session please pray for us at the haram of imam Raza, for sure inshallah i will pray for you in haram inshallah i am here for a day for a conference but uh, i take it inshallah as a sign of uh, barakah and blessing that we have started this series in mashhad and inshallah when i go to haram i pray for all of you please you also pray that i would have uh, inshallah an accepted ziyarah may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be with all of you may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect you and your family from anything which is bad and disliked may allah inshallah enable us first to stop committing any sin and second to get his acceptance of our tawbah and inshallah we would meet him while there is no trace of sin in the records of our action may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be your guide and your support wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillah rabbil alameen